You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where we're launching a new format. We have a special guest to help us preview the Seahawks' first game of the season and his outside impressions of the Seahawks from a national perspective. Nate Tice, former quarterback at Wisconsin, he coached and scouted in the NFL, and he now does brilliant athletic football show podcast. Uh, he also launched a new column, the Overhang column at, at Yahoo Sports or Yahoo Sports, covering college and pro football. Uh, I love how he illustrates football with popular culture references and stuff. You should check his work out if you haven't already. And most importantly, he endorsed Griff and I's work, which is far too nice for him. But Nate. Thank you so much for doing this. Nate Tice, how are you doing? I'm doing great. That what a wonderful intro. That is that was just lovely. That was just I feel at home already. Uh but the I, I'm glad I could give you guys a shout out. I, I told you this, Maddie, in the pre-show was that yeah, what we're gonna talk about tonight. It's like the offensive side I definitely can hang, but I was like, I probably learn more about the defensive side of the Seahawks from you guys than you guys could pr- probably learn from me. It's like I know the gist of it, but there's a lot of times I want to check your guys like cross work. Like quality control, like, hey, am I, am I right here, or or what are you guys seeing? Because the it, the knowledge that you guys know about the Seahawks, like I learned from you guys, so I'm so happy to come onto the show with you guys as well. well that's very kind of. I I learn what I know from. Let's see, can I do that for, from that guy anyway? So it's just, it's just the, like the a weatherman. Just, like pointing right exactly <laughs> this is if, if you're listening it's fun pointing going on so make sure you check yes. out the youtube <laughs> yeah so i guess nate overall uh what what do you think about the seahawks from afar just as an overall macro kind of deal like the the rebuild happened quickly uh or should i say the reload uh, the post russell era was like very short felt uh um i i was more bullish on the Seahawks last year than I think a lot of the national consensus was. I also on my podcast, we, for whatever reason, there was not a lot of Seahawks talk last year. So I didn't really get to like share that, but I was on, I'm on the record on some gambling shows of saying that I, I, I'm, I'm bullish on the Seahawks and what Pete Carroll and this team could do. And I, I thought that would be feisty, you know, around 500. The fact that they made a playoffs is like, I thought that they nailed the draft. There's a lot of players I liked that they took and they actually all succeeded um uh, very early on uh even offense and defense and that'll jumpstart any rebuild 
Um, there's several teams right. that nailed the draft last year, that the Seahawks and the Chiefs, and that made me optimistic about both teams and how they used them was just perfectly. Um, but it was just, I think they're ahead of schedule. Uh, they have some talented players on both sides. Um, this was even going last year, but continuing into this year, they feel just like an interesting team and I think a good team, but they do have some holes that, but that's what makes them interesting. And I, I think that they can go, there's so many paths that this team can go this year that has continued from last year. It, it's, it's pretty cool to see this team taking a step forward, new quarterback, kind of new identity that they're going through. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they were a team that, for better or worse, I just don't see a Pete Carroll team bottoming bottoming out completely. Right. They, they 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 hang on, and that that's seen as that was seen as a criticism for a second. They're like, no, they need to tank. They need to completely embrace sucking, so that they can bounce back. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was right there with you, um, which was kind of a uh, it, it might have been seen as a homer take, but it was really a, an offbeat take because there was a lot of uh, sentiment of. This is this regime is over. They're 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 dead men walking. Um, so um, I, I just couldn't see them them dying out really. And yeah, they, uh, they 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 were treading water, and obviously they they hit it big with Gino, and they were able to be um, uh, competitive. That's exactly it. it. It was it was just like you said. Pete Carroll's always going to make their guys competitive. Like even like when he first started in Seattle. Like they made the playoffs kind of, you know, before the Legion of Boom, like the early stages of the Legion of Boom, making the playoffs uh, with a, you know, when there was the uh, uh, Beast Quake year against the Saints. It's like he kind of had those teams that were incomplete, like very competitive. And right. I don't know. I, I just think it was just they had a lot of competency at a lot of spots. So it was like, I don't see this team failing. Like they don't seem like they're just like bad. They just seem more just, oh, they just say we're quad boxing. There we go. Uh, they're just seeing more, uh, 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 just, a team that just like was reloading, but I just think that they reloaded quicker than even I anticipated. Right. Yeah. And it's quite funny because you go back to that beast quake era, the the following years, what happened? I think now that Pete Carroll's proved people wrong, there was clearly a PR campaign going on in the background of, of should he go? Should he not go? And all that stuff. He's kind of won that deal. And uh, now they've got Geno Smith, but you mentioned last year, Nate, at what point did you think Gino was kind of real and better than majority opinion? Because not to not to toot our own horns, but uh, Griff and Griff was very 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 early on that, and yes, I was, was uh, fairly early, like September. But you're from a national perspective and not a maniac delving into the film all the time. So <laughs> when did it, you believe? It was one of those where okay, I I was. A little higher than most people, but I thought it would be more like the 20th best quarterback, you know, like low 20s, somewhere around there. Competency, um, because of what I've seen Griff say, uh, our friend Steven Ruiz, Greg Rosenthal, like they, a lot, there's people that I trust that are kind of like, hey, there's more to them, you know, than I think people are anticipating. And I think even Griff pointed out a lot of things. He opens up things that Russ never could ever access. And I would say the game that it was like, okay, I'm into this was the Falcons game week three, two, yeah. three. Yeah, I think week two or three, three. Yeah, it was early September. I could tell yeah. you that um, that game because I watched all of it and because it was more because I was interested in the Falcons as people. Anyone yeah. that listens to our podcast knows. And so I watched every minute of that game, every snap of that game. And I was like, they're doing some cool shit with Gino and they're letting it rip. And it was real 
big boy stuff, like big quarterback stuff, real throws, not a lot of training wheels, but that's, I've always liked what Shane Waldron does. And I know we'll talk about him in a minute, like, cause he kind of can get to a lot of things and with Gino, he's getting to everything. And I, I just thought it was cool. It was explosive. Um, they're attacking down the field. I know the Falcons offenses or defense is a good one to kind of, you know, try some stuff on, especially last sure. year. But that was the game that I was kind of like, okay, I'm into this. This is this is real. I think he could be into that good tier. And he sustained it for most of the season, which was really cool. And I think uh, it's it's stuff that I do think is sustainable. It's not stuff that I think is training wheels or luck. I, I really do. And I starting with that game is when I started to believe. Yeah, and you, you, you talk about training wheels. One of the early indicators for me, going back to even preseason, like forget about results, just from an outsider perspective. And obviously you have the insider perspective. One of the signals that, I would think to draw from is where do the play calls? Cause that's indicative of what he th they think he can handle in his preseason week two Chicago. And they're giving him seven step or seven step concepts on, on third and five. Yeah. And it's like the, the, the McVay offense with Goff. I and mean, even though Goff can be a high level executor, if the picture, if the picture is clean, they're not, they're not putting that much on his shoulders and drop back game. They're, they're, right. they're making sure he hits that dig route or that, that, you know, seven yard inbreaker. Um, so I'm curious how, how much in hindsight, now it's easy to say this in hindsight, but in your mm -hmm. eyes, when you're, when you're putting that on his shoulders, is that them just getting that tape out there so they can eval him? Or is that like, Hey, we actually think this guy can handle a lot more and we're giving it to him in training camp and preseason. It, it was training camp preseason and probably practice. It was probably the, they y'all start. A lot of teams start with the similar ish install plays the first four or five days of camp. And then you start leaning into, or you hope to lean into, okay, this is what this guy's good at. That's why teams with like the Drew Breeses and the Sean Paytons of the world are amazing because they could just, they already know what they're good at. So now you're adding tweaks and adding stuff and adding gizmos and, and stuffs and gadgets and little stuff that you can add to the, your core plays. So obviously they were comfortable calling that with them because sure. they didn't really run stuff that they ran with Russ, like uh, the stuff that I, I picture Gino just doing so exceptionally well is the empty formation stuff. Right. And, and because how he attacks out of empty, but you don't do that without trusting a quarterback to get to that because that's like a license to kill kind of thing. Sure. That's a, like you have to earn that right that we call that play. And you have to earn that right that we call that play in a game. So that he was tested somewhere in practice or where he earned that trust. And I think as the season went along, they're like, throw it at him, like give yeah. it to him because he can yeah. handle all these things. So the coaches aren't going to call that stuff because that's the 301 stuff without mm -hmm. you proving it first in practice, especially coaches like this that have been in the NFL, not some young first time offensive coordinator that thinks everything is going to work out great. Right. Well, on, Nate, on that thank, point, it's oh, uh, sorry, real quick. I just wanted to ask him real quick. Sorry, <laughs> Nate. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, first yeah. of all, um, Real quick, what do you what do you think the presence of JSN does for Gino? Does for this receiving core? Oh man, uh, it makes just that. It starts kind of like with a weakness. So I think with last year's Seahawks, or it became a weakness, was that they're siloed. It was like you know this personnel grouping, we do this. Out of eleven personnel, we do this, and everybody's kind of islandish, good or good or bad. Like you know, you have two good outside receivers, but when you kind of get into that island, the Bengals can do this because they have Tyler Boyd in the slot along with their two beasts on the outside and make all three guys different islands that you can pick and choose. JSN makes that 11 personnel. You could live in it. It's not something that it's just a, it's not something that was a part of the offense that now could be a featured fully formed thing. Um, I, I think I prefer always to have one of those receivers 
be a good blocker so you can open up more in the run game. But there's ways to mitigate that that even sometimes I don't credit coaches nowadays enough for. And then I, it's it's something that's more draft and scouting wise that I need to open. I need to broaden my man, my mind about some of these things. Um, but I think even with JSN is that when you have a guy like Gino that can attack high lows, now you're weaponizing three spots along with some nice complementary pieces with the tight ends. So I think that's what it is. It's making that 11 personnel just every option is available and every option is a plus matchup. It's not, you're not taking away the two awesome matchups with Lockett and DK. And now you're going, now it's like, okay, well, we got pick or poison. Okay. Now we got JSN who can rip off 12 yard gains just do, 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 and be that singles and doubles hitter that defenses are going to hate that. So that's what it does. It just makes that 11 personnel just more viable for snap to snap basis. And how much do you think the presence of Jason in the offense, considering like what we think of, so it's almost been a meme at this point with the McVeigh offenses, with the Waldron offenses, what does JSN do with the presence or with DK's presence in the offense? Because they fully embrace DK being DK and they don't shoehorn him into that pre-existing idea of what we all assume the McVeigh right. offense to be. So does that does JSN allow DK to continue to be even more DK? And then JSN and Tyler Lockett can kind of uh, pick up the slack? I, I think it's most going to weaponize uh, Lockett even more because mm-hmm. of with the two-man game that they can run. Because right. in my head, I'm picturing him as a slot and the Z being on the same side a lot and stack alignments um now you got Lockett as a vertical guy you can keep him off ball jsn's running the underneath route and like you can create some cool high lows with that that's kind of how i picture my head but even yeah yeah now and now dk if say they want to get into some different kind of formations like a a slot formation okay or a a one by three formation where the tight ends alone guy and they could go trips on the other side with three receivers now it can still be jsn Lockett, and then dk on the outside or DK sure. in the slot going vertical and JSN could be the underneath guy. You know, you want to keep DK on the move. You don't want him stopping. Yeah. You don't want him breaking too much. You want to keep yeah. him vertical. Yeah. But now, no matter every route, a good route concept, this is why I kind of get hesitant with quick game. Gino can do quick game, but uh, that's kind of cool because they don't lean into it too much. Is now there's always going to be a vertical element on a play on a traditional five or seven, mm. seven step concept, as you guys know. DK could always be the vertical guy or Lockett could be the vertical vertical guy and DK could be the intermediate guy. It's it's just, he's only going to be asked to do what he's good at. And that's, that's, that's the trickle down effect. So again, to what you're getting at, I think that boost effect that JSN has is going to be just awesome because now everyone's going to just do their strengths. So when it comes to Geno Smith's regression last year, uh, is this kind of, it's not regression proof. Everyone can regress, but is this a big step towards that given, you know, the, Weeks 1 to 13, 10 to 20 yard throws, Gino's throwing 82.8% catchable percentage. Then weeks 14 to 18, when receivers get banged up, that catchable percentage drops by 17.7% to 65.1% in the 10 to 20 yard windows. Uh, is is this the big thing or, or are there other stuff that you saw uh, Gino regressing with, which wasn't just receiving options? Yeah, it was just overall kind of, banged upness i also felt the interior line started getting kind of gamed up a little bit and gino is a solid athlete but you know any quarterback with interior pressure is going to kind of it's not it's not going to go well especially if you're attacking downfield um i also thought they just played more difficult opponents uh you know 49ers chiefs had a better defense than people realized like after their bye week last year they were a top 10 defense 
uh, uh, all success rate and EPA and all that stuff. Uh, Jets, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Rams who were kind of at, but then the 49ers again. But so I think also they just played better defenses. They weren't fully weaponized and fully healthy or fully or they're just working through a bunch of things. So I think that kind of let some things unravel a little bit there. Again, I always thought I thought this team was a year ahead of schedule anyways. And that's kind of what happens when you're a year ahead of schedule. As the season goes along, you have more data out there. Your weaknesses just get poked at open mm. over and over and over. That's why I play a football so hard because coaches have 17 games to look at. And so mm. then they go, oh, perfect example. Sorry, I'm ranting here, but perfect oh, example please. is uh, go ahead. Um, the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. The little touchdown to Sky Moore, the little like fake motion going back and jet motion out. It's because they watched every red zone play of the Eagles defense from the entire year. And they watched the Jaguars game in like week four. And they were like, oh, we like that. We're going to use that. And they got two touchdowns off of it. In a normal, uh, when you're scouting an opponent during the season, you just look at the previous four games and maybe one extra game where you played them before. But in the playoffs, you're watching everything. So I think that's where what happens is those weaknesses got poked at. They played better opponents, yada, yada, yada. That's why I think this year I'm a little more excited. I think there's going to be more, even more sustainability in the run game to help them out. And I think that's why I like the Seahawks even more, even though they had a pretty good offense last year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I love how on your podcast you brought up the efficiency of uh, Zach Charbonnet in college on first and second down uh, being the most efficient, uh, uh, highest success rate running back on those downs when yep. you also mentioned Kenneth Walker's inefficiency and, and how he he's terrible efficiency-wise on early downs, like <laughs> abysmal. Um, he's boomer so bust. That's that's what he is. <laughs> he's I, I call he, him Sonic. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to make it stick. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 yeah. What am I trying to say? My my take with uh, with Ken Walker Ken Walker is that he's Chris and Michael with contact balance in terms yeah. of style and just explosiveness and, and burst. Yeah, that's and, exactly yeah. what it is. But with the and, same and, you know drawbacks too. But he can get better too though. I think that's the thing. Well, I, I mean, he was really good. I had similar great on him as Brees Hall, who I loved as well. Right. It was just that you're going to, there's going to be a couple of runs you get frustrated with, but he'll create three runs that most guys can't or aren't even going to try, you know? So that's, that's the typical boomer bus guy. That's the same as Jameer Gibbs that everyone's high on with the lions. It's just that those types of running backs are going to be frustrating on a couple of runs, but the better the offensive line or more sustainable, the offensive line, the, better those kind of bad plays are that makes sense it's a zero yard gain or one yard gain as opposed to negative two and it's a three yard gain instead of negative one and then now it's 20 yards or more sustainable you know not let's say sustainable but they happen more often or more frequently so mm-hmm. that I, I the charbonnet addition was i already liked him scouting wise watch saw those stats looked at looked up looked them up on sis and then i kind of you always want to answer it's like is that because of the offensive line is that the scheme is it luck? Is it kind of just some weird things? Offensive line for UCLA was not good. 
Chip Kelly did some a couple nice things, but it's just Zach Charbonnet just getting every yard that was blocked for him. So that's why I was like, that's where that Nick Swisher comparison came into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Shane Waldron, that that's a guy who I know Griff was very keen to ask you about. Um, we don't really know much about him because in press conferences, he is kind of coy and uh, doesn't say anything, but says a lot. That, that kind of approach, fair enough. Uh, yeah. You know, he's obviously got the Sean McVay background. He had a cup of coffee in New England too, which is interesting to me because, you know, like this preseason, they run Hoss Duke. Like who doesn't run Hoss Duke? But when you got yeah. JSN, that, that's suddenly a bit more exciting. Um, yeah, what, what, what are your impressions of Waldron? He's to me... Um, him and Matt LaFleur have more in common than I think people realize mm-hmm. uh, as far as what they call nowadays. I think I call this type of offense a greatest hits offense. It's a they have some bones everywhere because you just even got to think who the offensive line coach was um, uh, until this year. That's a longtime offensive line coach who's been in several different offenses as well. Yeah. And you can see some influence there. And then passing game wise, you're talking about Haas Juke. That's actually great. That's a great example. Also, some of the empty stuff, you see some Shanahan McVay stuff, the stick nods, you know, those types of concepts. But then you see the high lows that are not, they're not uncommon, but you don't see them in a Shanahan McVay offense. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where the kind of greatest hits. And you got to think just who some of the assistants were. They were pre Waldron. Um, so that's, you got a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of right. grab back. That's what's gotten pretty cool with these Shanahan guys kind of going elsewhere is not all of them are just wholesale Shanahan staffs. So now you get yeah. these kind of like, okay, we got the run game from like the, the Browns are a good example. They got the run game of Bill Callahan. They run the pass game of, uh, Stefanski who has some Shanahan Kubiak influence. And then they got a couple other things sprinkled in from other offenses that they've been in. That's kind of what's what the Seahawks is. So I call it greatest hits with maybe they're right. It's like a, someone that's like 40% Irish. You know, it's like they're, <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're, like, 30, they're like 35%, you know, yeah, like yeah. McVeigh, Shanahan, 30, like 22%, you know, uh, Patriots, you know, they're, they're kind of offense. And then the rest is just, you know, mutt. <laughs> and, 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 and to, to, to uh, what am I trying to say? To your, to your point on, on like Lafleur and McVeigh have, or Lafleur and Waldron having similarities, both those guys also have like the class, well, not classic, but the the max split X receiver on their team. Yeah. At least well, when they had when Lafleur had Devonte anyway, and is trying to with Watson. Then obviously DK Metcalf. I mean, they're they're going to influence a lot of your structure, right? Like not just your plays, even, but but your formation structure. I would think it's the the traditional vertical X, and so that's yeah. where. Quick game doesn't get lean into that much, but I, I, that's that's kind of like hard to say because uh, there's still the package play element with Devonte Adams, you know, as far as the yeah, bubbles and yeah. the smokes. DK, I don't feel like is that kind of player. Yeah. Um, I know so like, he's not breaking right? those big dig routes either. You know, but everything's got to be eight mm-hmm. yards or further with him. Yeah. Like it's just <laughs> it's just how he is. It's, some guys are just built that way. Mike yep. Evans is kind of similar. Um, Mike Evans is a little more fluid and everything, but it's like you it's slants. It's posts, it's digs, it's I think stop routes because you just post them up or, yeah. or back shoulders. But he's a he's a big receiver that kind of plays small sometimes, so you got to use that. Um, right. I I feel like a preacher. I mean, uh, he, I mean, so. yeah, he he's at, at, he, I mean he he will be strong through the route, but the sooner yeah. as soon as he leaves his feet, catch point, 
it's yeah that's why i'm so um, excited about jsn because as you've said nate it unlocks it lets dk run more of that stuff basically vertical. um yes. so yeah you are preaching to the choir here <laughs> yeah and and that's the thing is that when you do have a change up where you're not gonna have dk do it every time but it's like he majors in that and that's it's just nice when you just have everyone majors in this you major in this you play guitar you play drums you play bass yeah. we're good you know okay once in a while you get a paul mccartney who just can play everything it's like it's like you know this it's like the, honestly i didn't say that just because we have a, a english cast or english shows um, i don't just, sound like a scouser though so yeah you, you feel appealed to many yeah yeah yes yeah. uh but no but honestly that's just how kind of have the passing game has to be you need three yeah. to five guys that need to be played to their strengths that's what Kyle Shannon's fantastic at because he does a good job of doing that with his guys. Indeed. Yeah. All so, right. Wait, hold on. One last thing on Waldron. Unless yes. Maddie, you had another Waldron. Well, thing. I was going to try and get All right. it up no, for do you. It. Do it. 12 right personnel. Check. You wanted to talk about it, Griff. Well, I, well, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, how like they shift to empty at a 12. That's how they get mismatches because they can really spread it out. Um, yeah. But I, what I was going to, and this is also kind of related but do you have any uh, pontificating, any pontifications on their pistol usage? Because they used a lot of pistol last year. And, and not for like quarterback run game stuff, like legit yeah. hiding tendency and everything. That's what it is. Because they ran real drop back out of it. That's what it is. It's hiding tendency. Usually you're doing that with drop back is to hide the running back going strong. So like when you try, try mm. to create like a four by one that that's to hide the backs kind of like going that way. So as opposed to motioning up, like the chiefs love to, you know, motion the guy from weak to strong, they are just hiding mm -hmm. it pre-snap. Um, and probably Gino, I feel like Gino's okay under center, uh, but it's a, maybe just a way to just kind of get him back a little bit, especially yeah. if you don't trust your interior, interior line. Um, sure. And also bootleg game, um, anything like that movement throws a little bit that that kind of hides it too it, or helps it out a little bit too it's a little more sure. fluid out of that but it's really it's just like you just nailed it it's a tendency tell that that's the biggest thing that you use pistol for unless you're just trying to help old man peyton manning in like yeah, 2015 yeah. <laughs> with, yeah, with the broncos yeah. right. <laughs> that's what uh gino basically told me in munich that they were it's hiding tendencies, but yeah. you know, obviously a press conference type of answer. Uh, <laughs> moving over to the Rams, what is their defense other than Aaron Donald? Uh, because we definitely don't know. And Nate, you do cover the, the league nationally. So perhaps yeah. you have more of an inkling of what the Rams are. No, it's every time I look up their roster, I see a guy named Russ Yeast and I'm just like, no way. <laughs> Is there a guy named Russ Yeast on this roster? Great. Guys, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna see all He's pocket. rising. <laughs> there is the yeah, nice. There Eat is the a there is a um the old Ken Griffey Jr. video games. He was the only one that had the licensed name, so everybody had the fake names. Like Russ Dude. Yeast plays for the Boston Red Sox or the Boston team. Like that's 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 I swear in those video games, Ken Griffey Jr. is <laughs> winning a run. So I this is how I view their defense. They have a couple like interesting places. Like I like Kobe Durant. Um, and then also like Ernest Jones, but like outside that Byron Young's an interesting rookie. Uh, he's kind of a, he's older, but he's a late bloomer type. You know, he, he bounced around school, didn't start school till late, good toolsy kind of guy. But outside of that, it's, it's a lot of nothing and they look small. They give up the most points this preseason, I believe. And it, it, when I went to their practice, I actually got to go to their practice and training camp. That's how it felt. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, their offense, I think is actually going to be okay. 
but I because they just have some competency there. But I just think this defense is just wow. It's it's a lot of nothing. So we'll see how much Aaron Donald can carry him. Yeah, I feel yeah, bad I for want... Raheem Morris, man. So yes, sorry, yes. I had to cut you off. No worries. Uh, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to ask you specifically about that Rams secondary, and and yeah. again, kind of going back to the Seahawks receiving core now with JSN and all the things that they can do now with that. How do you think that plays out on Sunday? Well, they just re- are losing. You know, like some people are down on the guy, uh, Jalen Ramsey. He's still very good. They're losing one mm-hmm. of the best star slot guys, and they're kind of patchworking the rest of it together. So that's where I think Jason is going to eat. Uh, Raheem Morris last year, especially their defense. This is this was bad about their defense last year. It wasn't as bad as this. And they were just known for getting peppered underneath. Just hitches, slants, like short routes just over. Because they just play super soft. They play the softest quarters and cover six you'll ever see. So mm-hmm. I think it, this is a heavy, heavy JSN getting peppered underneath game. Uh, because that's what this defense wants you to do. Mm-hmm. They want... they. It's an old school line of thinking. Oh, the quarterback's going to make a mistake, but that's like something from like 1996 when you're playing like right. Rob Johnson, uh, not like Geno Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> like that, or, or even like an Andy Dalton is doing it to you. Right. So it, yeah. it's that, that is, um, I think that a lot of underneath throws because that's what they want you to do. But now they're, I think they took a huge step back from last year. So I yeah. think they're just going to feast underneath. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I can see Morris leaning into more fire zones just to change the math and speed things up, get different looks. Because and obviously after this year, last year, kind of wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Like it's you're trying to generate something, some uneasiness. But then, but then again, that's JSN right there because he's replacing the the he's the hot. So he he's replacing the fire zone. So there, it's like that <laughs> that's that's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But that's why you draft a JSN. It's just yeah. for that. Everyone's bringing slot pressure. Everyone brings slot pressure, but everyone leans into that now because that's everyone's favorite simulator pressure as well. So now you get those guys on linebackers sprinting out there, um, someone from the line, uh, the jack sprinting out there. So now you get those guys, and that's a, a matchup advantage as opposed to, oh, that's our fourth option. Let's hope that wrist is okay um, because if it's not, we're, we're putting a lot of eggs in the JSN right. basket here. Yes. Um, Nate, in terms of the Rams' offense and the injuries that they have, uh, primarily Cooper Cup, like, and then what we've said about their defense, is this just going to be like run the ball as much as they can, or does McVeigh have does he have anything without Cooper Cup? I mean, obviously Matt Stafford is still the quarterback, and in theory is healthy. Yeah, it's the old line is okay. I'll actually give it to I'll give it to the okay level. Um, and Stafford is actually better than I think it's last year was so ugly, but he's still competent. He's very competent. He's very, pretty solid actually, but it really, it's rough in that receiving room. Um, kind of Van Jefferson's kind of a replacement level player. I'll, I'll say it. I've never been high on Tutu Atwell because he's, <laughs> he, he's built like an overwatch player. Uh, and then just like, uh, I like Puka, Puka Nakua, uh, <laughs> Overwatch League player, I should say. Uh, but uh, Puka Nakua, I actually do like. I think a few of us, that uh, people that we know, like, um, and they're going to use him a little bit. But it's I, it's hard for me to picture. This run game, the running back room, I, I'm not high on Cam Akers. He doesn't have a lot of juice. They keep trying to make him work, but it doesn't really work. My favorite receiver or running back in their room is Ronnie Rivers who was a guy they signed mm. off the street in the middle of last year. And he had a nice preseason. Um, he really did. Uh, I, I yeah. really like him. And then Kyron Williams is kind of like a, he was, he was fun at Notre Dame. 
it was one of those he got a lot of uh draft twitter hype and then like he ran a four six something at like 180 pounds and then everyone just stopped talking about him but he actually is a nice useful pass catching back and pass protector but again none of these guys have a lot of juice so i i'm trying to figure out it feels like a very tight game it's like if you could just keep that run game somewhat inefficient i don't think they're going to pop a ton of explosives and that's kind of nice for where the seahawks i think run defense is at um mm-hmm. and what, what they're trying to step forward this year so it's not the most scary uh offense you go against but it does have a solid quarterback and a solid offensive line yeah without cup it's going to be weird because stafford loves his favorites at receiver oh yeah like throughout his career and it's going to be weird him searching for that that possession target i mean you wonder like is, is tyler higby going to unlock a level of of uh play that i mean he's he's a decent you know tight end the way that right. they use him but he's not like a you know an elite second level like pattern and the runner, cx you know? have answers to like a higby you know what i mean yeah, like they because sure. they're deep the one area i feel like that's deep at defense i know there's some injuries and everything is the db room so like i feel like that there's there's some competency there or some like way to cover like a guy like Higby as well. But that, that's a, that's a good point too. I know some people are very high on Higby this year. Maybe that's just like a fantasy thing <laughs> as opposed to a real life thing. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, Nate, well, you've been very gracious through your time. Thank you. Of course. Uh, switching our attention towards Denver and we're not like bitter spurned exes. Denver is still relevant to Seattle apart from the kind of morbid, increasingly morbid curiosity of Russell Wilson because uh, John Schneider uh, had some fun with Denver and traded uh, pick number 83 for pick number 108 and a 2024 third round pick. So Seattle needs Denver to lose to get a really high third round pick. So Nate, you've played with Russell Wilson. Um, I'm sure he's a lovely chap, but how's it going to be this year? (laughs) I think, I think, back to at least average that's what my i i said this on our, our show and and my co was kind of kind of cut me off before i get through my whole point but i was trying to what i was trying to say was like i listened to a be i've used this is a terrible metaphor for this but i'm just gonna roll back i'm like a stand-up comedian working on a joke keep going it's like, keep, it's like this is my playing. left head it's there, i watched this bg's documentary on hbo and it, it's actually a, a very lovely documentary i highly recommend it but they were talking about how during their first stage, they kind of like fell out of favor, like they became less popular. And then a the producer was kind of like that talent doesn't just go away. And my co-host was like, well, in sports, it does. And I was like, OK, that's a very fair point. But what I'm saying is that where Russ was at as yeah. Zach Wil- worse than Zach Wilson, that's not real. Like I, I he was mm-hmm. bad last year, but not that bad. And the, the, the Broncos faced a lot of injury woes. Um, uh, I mean, they were, I think they were the worst team in the adjusted games the last, last year or one of the worst teams. Offensive line decimated, receiver injuries, just everything. It was the season from hell. And yeah. they had a head coach that was you tell was in over his head. They kind of allowed Russ to get in too much. I, I know, again, you guys probably have, are neck deep in this stuff. So, um, But I, I think Sean Payton is Sean Payton. And I think people have forgot how freaking good Sean Payton. That guy is a very good football coach and he has a lot of pride. And I think that he's going to at least get Russ to okayness. I'm not saying good, not saying top 10, 12, 14, but to that 18th area, not what you paid for, not what they traded for, but at least where it's not like a national embarrassment. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually high on the Broncos. I picked them to make the playoffs on our show. A little bit of a lukewarm take. I would say hot take. 
but a little bit of a, I don't think they face that injury luck. I really trust in Sean Payton. I trust the additions. I like their defense a lot. So I think they're going to be at least competent. Not a great team, but at least way better than they were last year, which was really, really bad. Yeah, it really was a perfect storm. Like if I was a Broncos fan and refused to give in to being a cynic, I would just characterize it as a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, if, if Peyton can get, you know, the, the, the boot play actions going, if they can hit the deep post again, yeah. I mean, th- that at least gets you back to baseline with him and then you That's can it. let that be your pivot point. Yeah. Play the hits. But exactly. They're going to use him like Jameis. And that's what people I don't think realize or, or early, early career, uh, early Saints, Breeze, Peyton, which was a ton of heavy play actions. Mm-hmm. What we watched at Wisconsin the offseason was Sean Payton and North Turner offenses. And that's mm-hmm. because we liked Sean Payton's play action game, which was all vertical and mm-hmm. who was great out of vertical play action game. Russell Wilson yeah, and, yeah. and and Sean Payne has said a million times we're going to like in his own way, we're going to pound the freaking rock. And that's what Russell has always needed. As we all know, ever <laughs> since I was with him in 2011 at Wisconsin, that's what our offense was. Um, he yeah. had games running it through it 14 or 15 times. And it was, I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong. He averaged like 20 yards a pop. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it was, but that was the offense. That's what he, and it also helps him give some space away from the offense, from the offensive line, gives him yeah. space to look down the field, gives him space to create. He did scramble a little bit more this preseason, um, which, which was, which was good to see because that's increased, decreased a lot the last couple of years. So I think Peyton's just going to, Peyton has a way to use him that's already, there's proof of him using him that way. So that's why I think that there's going to be a, a, a lot more pass to competency than people realize. I know I'm on so, a Seahawks pod. I'm supposed to just go, it should be no, all right. I mean, the, the first we, third rounder. <laughs> I feel like you guys already got it last year. Like that was like <laughs> starting with game one. Couldn't have gotten any better if you wrote a script. <laughs> Listen, no, we, yeah. we broke our brains watching and trying to figure out Russell Wilson, the, the, the good and the bad, which of course, mostly good. Right. But we still broke yeah. our brains watching it. So we'll always be fascinated by him as a football mm-hmm. entity. You well, know? and I'm kind um, of fascinated by how Sean Payton's managed to kind of recontrol the narrative around the whole situation. Yeah. It's very interesting. And I think this year we're going to see a, a much better balance for, for Russell's game. Yeah. So, and so not good news for that third round pick, but uh, Sean Payton's a, a big, 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 big personality as he's kind of already shown. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> and that's needed though. They kind of said, we need a bigger, we need a bigger Trump card than the one we just signed. We need yeah. one that's even bigger <laughs> than the one yeah. th- that we just brought in last year. So, and that's what they did. That's why I, I just am betting on that. It, it's uh, it's it's funny you talk about that, Griff. It's Russ is a great example that good and great quarterbacks they all win in such different ways. And I think all a lot of us, for me, I thought great quarterback play for years and years is going to look like Peyton Manning, and mm-hmm. sits back the sheriff and pointing and doing all this yeah. stuff. And I think a lot of us did, and even like what Rodgers was doing and signaling and everything. But then you realize all these guys win in such different ways. Even if we say, oh, he's a good athlete or, oh, he has a big arm. Yeah. How Mahomes wins and Josh Allen wins and Herbert and Burrow and Lamar and yeah. Aaron Rodgers. How these guys all win is so wildly different. And I think that's freaking awesome because yeah. it, it, a lot of sports, I think, for people that are around my age, like kind of like middle, older millennials, is we kind of got caught in the middle where everyone's like, well, you have to do it this way because that's the most efficient. When mm-hmm. I was playing baseball, everyone was like, you have to throw like Roger Clemens. He's the best pitcher. That's the most perfect motion. You have to throw it like him. And then they realize, oh, you can throw it sidearm. 
You can throw it funky. You can change your pitch. You can you can pause as you're about to throw. Same with quarterback play. And I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. I, I think that's what's that's Russell was one part of that kind of movement. I think it's so interesting in how just sports in general, like even cricket in this country or or even cricket across the globe, not obviously in much in America, but cricket's <laughs> gone for a similar thing where there's a very orthodox style of batting and then suddenly wild shots are getting played and the the you know there was a thought that that was the wrong way to play or too risky and then now it's just taken over the game so it, that analogy really does uh resonate um, and i wonder what what inspired that uh across sports i don't know anyway mm-hmm. nate we'll never know it's all my brain could go to i'm sorry guys <laughs> thank you thank you so much for your time uh thank you so much you, nate if you don't already you, follow nate you should because he's one of the best followers on twitter uh amazing football content at nate underscore tice do you have anything you'd like to promote nate or uh, uh not really uh you can hear me on the athletic football show uh our first live show this sunday or not our first of the season i should say uh so check that out and you can find my articles now on yahoo the overhang which it was just a bullshit name we came up with uh, i'm an offensive guy i was like, just oh, like yeah, oh, right. hey we love overhand it works though i know it works, I, it works it ended up it was one of those where the, my editor said it i was like yeah sure actually yeah yeah that's yeah that's way better than anything i'll come up with but thank it, you guys it's, so it's your appeal to the defensive minded yeah right out there right yeah. just just hope you don't get a big gap bubble that's that's it. Hey, the the offensive mind is you run at the bubble till it bursts. So that's <laughs> that's that's how I view the bubble. You want to time. kill your overhang? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Th- guys, okay. thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate so it, Nate. Thanks, Thanks so man. Of course.